Hello again, everybody, and welcome to today's podcast. Uh, my name is Salia Landman, but many people just call me Landy. Now, I know last week I said that today we're going to talk about the weather and typhoons and such, but we've decided to do something more interesting. So let me just tell you a little bit about the foreigners in Taiwan. Now, I mentioned in a previous episode that Taipei is not like, I would say, Tokyo or Seoul or Hong Kong. There are not that many foreigners here. Uh, and you do get some foreigners who come here, what we call expats. They come here, their companies send them over on packages. But the majority of the people I know are English teachers. But today we actually have a guest on the podcast. And our guest is Tim Budden. And Tim is an artist. So, Tim, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Elias. Now, when I came here, I met you. You were already an established teacher in our language school. At that time... Were you not an artist? I had studied as an artist in the UK because I'm from Wales in the UK. I'd studied and I did a master's degree. And then I was working in the theatre, and then I, which I got bored of doing. So I decided to go traveling. And then I arrived in Taiwan maybe two or three years before you did, I think. I think so, because you were actually my trainer. That's right. I always, re- <laughs> I always remember you as uh, one of my trainees because it took you a long time to get used to the classroom and how to pace a class. And I always, I always remembered thinking of you as like one of these really big, heavy 747 jets trundling along the runway and you're wondering, is it ever going to take off? <laughs> Thank you, Tim. <laughs> and it did. Finally. And it took off brilliantly because you became one of the best teachers we had. Thanks. Now, so in your heart, you were always an artist, right? So, but when did it change? When did you actually leave the teaching life and becoming almost a full-time artist? Well, when I, when I came to Taiwan, I didn't know what to do with my art. So I just uh, enjoyed the life here and uh, was in this fantastically different culture from anything I'd experienced before. And I I just decided to stay a little bit longer, and someone suggested uh, getting a job. And I had never taught English before. I wasn't like you. I wasn't prepared. It wasn't a plan. It's just something I did in the, on the spur of the moment. And then I got a job in a small bushiban, small cram school, and... Uh, and I fell in love with teaching, and I really loved it. I totally loved it. So I forgot the art and just focused on the teaching for 12 years, I think, I was teaching in different locations, doing yeah. different things. So you didn't originally come here to teach? No, I, I was traveling. I came with a girlfriend from the UK, and... Uh, I, my experience from you, yours is very different because my father was an expat here. He was working here. So my parents were living in Tiamu in a nice big apartment. So I came and it was very luxurious. We used to go to the American club and do all that kind of expat life until I decided to find a job here. And then my world changed. I moved out. I found my own little apartment now, did you, when, when you decided to take up your art again, did you stop teaching completely? It was a gradual process, I think. Uh, I, I kind of got burned out with the teaching, and um, I just got very bored with what I was doing with the teaching. 
And uh, I just, and I remember going home one day and I didn't feel well. I had a bad cold or something. And so the, the school said, go home early. So I went home and there were, and I was sitting in my armchair and the house was empty and there was an earthquake. And I remember everything shaking. It was quite a big earthquake because we live on the 12th floor. And, uh, and I just remember thinking, oh, that's the earth god, Tudigong, telling me, <laughs> change your life. And that's what I did. I, I just went and filled in a resignation letter, finished my contract, and then decided my wife and I, we swapped positions. She, was, she worked. I was the stay-at-home, taking care of my son. And uh, that's how we went from there. And now, <clears throat> please tell the listeners what kind of art you do. <laughs> well, in the beginning, I was very influenced by traditional Chinese paper cutting. I found that really fascinating. And the reason I found it fascinating is because it's carving paper. And when I was in the UK as a student, I was a sculptor. And when I was in the theatre, my role was a sculptor. So I had always been carving away at things, different kinds of materials. And so paper cutting was just like that. It was carving away at paper. And I liked the way that these paper cuts told stories. And I really liked the very graphic nature of the storytelling. It's black and white or red and white. And, um, and then I, I also really liked the idea of making shadows because of my work in the theatre. So I started making paper cuts that I used to light and make shadows behind. And I w worked in a, in a fairly traditional style for a number of years. And then what happened was I had an exhibition and the gallery owner was very excited about my exhibition and said, oh, I've got lots of collectors. And then we, after the exhibition, we only sold one piece. And I was really disappointed. And he said, oh, they're just not interested in traditional paper cutting. It's not considered a high art. It's considered a low art. So they want something which is calligraphy or traditional ink painting. They don't want something like this. So then I realized I have to change. So I just started experimenting with uh, paint and color and the textures and different kinds of papers and I started getting more and more abstract with my work and they got bigger and bigger as well and uh, what you see around me we're sitting in my studio is a kind of work I'm I'm preparing for an exhibition which will be later this year hopefully and these are very abstract pieces, uh, but they still got a, a big, very you know, kind of Chinese or Asian influence in them, the shapes. Yeah. And did, did living in Taiwan have any kind of influence on the kind of paper cutting you, you Sure. Do? If, I, if I had stayed in the UK, I would definitely not be doing anything like this. It was purely being in Taiwan that decided on my my art path because I, I felt when I first came to Taiwan the art I was doing in the UK had no connection with the cult this culture it was so different here everything was totally different and as you've talked in previous podcasts at that time Taiwan was a very different place it's a very closed place people didn't travel much 
you couldn't buy it. There weren't many Western influences here, Western shops, Western food. It was very, very, a very small world. So I couldn't connect my art then with uh, the, that, this place here. But as Taiwan has opened up, so I can see my art has opened up with it. And now Taiwan is a kind of art hub. It's become very important in the kind of contemporary art world. There's lots of big galleries here. And uh, there's some very big annual shows that come here now. So it's, it's changed a lot. It's part of an international art market now. And now, when you just started doing your, your original traditional paper cutting, how, as a foreigner in Taiwan, how did you know who to contact to have, get an exhibition going somewhere? I, I didn't know. I didn't know that was that's always been one of my problems is that I was very well known in the English teaching business um, because I was also an author and a trainer as well as a teacher so lots of people knew me in English teaching but in the art world no one knew me so I, I had to start from the bottom and it was through some connections that people started to see my work and uh, I can't can't quite figure out how exactly my work was seen, but it was it seemed to happen accidentally. For example, I started working with uh, Twining's team, and um, the reason they found me was because they were trying to work with another artist who lived in Beito, near my studio, and she took them to a coffee shop, and it just so happened that I had put in one piece in the coffee shop and they were sitting there chatting to her and they saw this piece and they thought, that's interesting. And so they asked the owner about who did it and they said, oh, it's this English guy, a Welsh guy. And then they found me and then we started uh, almost 10 years. We've been collaborating now. I remember one piece I saw uh, at one of your exhibitions. It was a long piece. And in the piece was the little running boy. Yeah, that was my son, yeah. So at the moment, the, like you say, the pieces we see around here now is more abstract, right? Much more abstract. But, yeah. but that one, I remember on that specific one, there was the Taipei 101 building. Yes. And then the little boy running around. Yes. Does, did that tell a story? Or was it just, just like a, a picture that you, were, that you did in cuttings? Yeah, it told a story. Because I used to draw cartoons when I was in the UK. And I, since I was a kid, I used to draw cartoons, tell stories. And so when I started paper cutting, and I did say that uh, I, I really like the stories I saw in the paper cuts here. So I saw it as a way to do my storytelling. And because I'd been writing like uh, textbooks and designing cartoons for these textbooks, so those uh, those same ideas were in the early paper cuts. And my son, who at that time was very young, was um, used to have a, a kind of funky dance that he used to do at the end of the day, hidden in his room. He would start doing his... What did he used to call it? Chushing or shushing or something. And you could hear him doing his dancing. And it was his way of trying to work out what happened to him during the day, he told me later. And you could hear him be jigging, jiggling around, and uh, I used to watch him. And I just became fascinated by it. He was telling his own story to himself through this dance. 
So I started incorporating this dancing boy into those early works. And uh, he would be on a motorcycle, he would be dancing, he would be flowing through water. Okay. He would be in many different situations. Yeah. Now, in the, the world of artists, do you know many Taiwanese artists or other foreigners like yourself who are artists in Taiwan? There are foreigners here and um, they tend not to be... They're, they're people who work, who do art on the side. They don't do art uh, professionally, as far as I can work out. They, um, I'm lucky because here, in the studios, there, there are probably 20, 20 studios here. And many of them are occupied by artists. So some I've got to know. And um, so we stay in touch and we visit each other's studio now and then. So I've got to know a few artists. I wouldn't say a lot. I'm not very good at, uh, you know, creating networks and doing the guanxi business, the connecting, making connections. Yeah. So you say the next exhibition, hopefully coming up soon, is that a solo exhibition or are you in the gallery with other It's people? It's a one-man show in a gallery called Yenru Gallery, which is in the um, east of the city. Um, I have exhibited there as a, in a group show before and um, the owner seems to like my work and invited me to do a one-man show. So it's quite a big space. So I'm trying to make as much stuff as I can and then we can, I hope to have too much stuff so then I can decide the best pieces to go into the exhibition. Now, you have now been in Taiwan like 30 years, right? Yeah, a long time. Right? And and you still like it? I, of course I do, yeah. I mean, of course, there, there are upsides and downsides. Um, for me, one of the downsides is still the language. Um, I'm just not very good with the language. I can get by, but for example, if... If, if I'm with a group of art, local artists and they start getting technical about their art, I'm, I'm lost. Yeah, yeah. I remember when I was just starting to, to, to study, and in Taiwan, we, they have a system called the Bopomofo system, yes. which is the, basically the, their phonetic system. Yes. So you can, by writing these funny characters, you can actually say different words. Yeah. You cannot read the real Chinese character, but... The, the teacher teaches you to how to say the word. Yeah. And I remember coming into the office once and, and I was going, oh man, this is difficult. And you came over and you go, no, it's not. Let me read this for you. And you just <laughs> you just read the whole sentence. I love Bopomofa. Yeah. I, that's the way I learned. But now no one knows it. Not anymore, yeah. You know, only first and second year graders in, yeah. in primary school know it. That, yeah. And that's it. It's not used to teach. Now they use the, the other system. They use the, yeah, the alphabet, right? The alphabet yeah. one, which yeah. is the same as the one they use in China. Right. Yeah. So basically every day now you come here to this studio and you work. Is that your routine now? During this pandemic, yeah. During the COVID, it's been like that. Um, I do still teach, and um, but all those classes were cancelled. So it's kind of, it kind of left me... Um, in a bit of a financial situation, but I suppose it's the same with everyone, really, isn't it? But yes, I come here most days. 
Now, as we've now mentioned a few times, we are here in Tim's studio, so we just want to say thank you to Tim for inviting us here. And before we wrap up, is there a way that our listeners can see your art without going to the exhibition? Maybe our listeners from abroad? Sure, you can. Uh, I have a website which is uh, Tim Budden Art, that's his one word, dot com. And then I'm on Instagram as Tim Budden Art, one word again. So let me just, for our listeners, Tim is just T I M, and Tim's uh, surname is Budden, B U D D E N. Yeah, two so D's. Two D's, Tim Budden Art dot com. Yeah. So on that website, they were able to see. What kind of things? Yeah, it's, it's out of date now, but you can see the, the works you were talking about with the little boy, those, those artworks will be there. But the more up-to-date works, it's best to check out my Instagram. And the, the Instagram people, they will find, you also find Tim Budden, right? If you, if you just type in Tim, Tim Budden, Tim great. Budden Art, you'll find me. Excellent. Well, Tim, it was uh, very nice to see you again. Although we've known each other for a long time, we haven't seen each other for a long time. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> so, uh, so what I'm going to do now is I'm going to hang around here a little bit and watch Tim work just for the fun of it. And, uh, and I hope our listeners also enjoyed this chat with Tim and that they will, they will look at your art online. If they like it, I'm sure they will contact you <laughs> and help you out of this financial predicament. <laughs> All right. Okay, listeners, so that was our first interview. We might in the future think about doing interviews with other people. We hope that you will uh, tune in again next week. And I think next week, uh, I don't want to say exactly what we're going to do because maybe I'm wrong again, but uh, we'll, we'll uh, always have something interesting for our people to listen to. So, Tim, once again, thank you very much. Thank you, sirs. Goodbye, everybody. Bye.